you open up your Bible and you went to the book of Judges, if you were to go there, you would go to the very last verse in the book of Judges. This is what it would read. Judges chapter number 21, verse number 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now that verse pretty much sums up the entire book of Judges. Start to finish, the children of Israel had no king, so they did that which is right in their own eyes. You'll see and read stories of Samson, and you'll read stories of Jephthah, you'll read stories of Gideon, and back and forth, up and down, all over the place, you read characters and stories and situations and battles and things that happened, and and it was like the children of Israel lived on a roller coaster as they tried to serve God. Sometimes they would do well and be on the mountaintop. Sometimes they would crash down and do their own thing. And this verse pretty much sums up the book of Judges in those days. I think also it sums up 2023. People feeling like they can do whatever is right in their own eyes. Now let me tell you the fallacy that comes with doing whatever is right in your own eyes. You don't even know what's best for you. And yet, there are many right now that are choosing to live for the temporal, to set their affections on things down here, to make themselves available for things here on this earth. Now, that's how the book of Judges ends. You were to read through the next book. That's the book of Ruth. It ties in historically with the book of Judges. But there's something about how God works that's pretty profound then and now. Because at the right time in the story, as you read and you were to turn the page, open up to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1, you would read about a man named Elkanah and his two wives, Penina and Hannah. What happens in this story is the same thing that happens all throughout history. If you go from Genesis to Revelation, even all the way up to 2023, God still does this same thing. He raises up the right people at the right time. He's always done that. The Lord needed a purpose to be accomplished in the earth, so he would choose somebody to accomplish that purpose. The Lord knew what personality would be needed. He knew the gifting. He knew the conviction. He knew the unique individual traits. And he trusted people with a purpose for their time. Let me prove it to you. When he needed a combination of faith and righteousness, he used Noah to build an ark. When he needed an everlasting promise to be given, he required Abraham. When he needed a dreamer, he used Joseph. When he needed a deliverer, he required Moses. When he needed a conqueror, he raised up Joshua. When he began to deliver Israel, he pulled Samson close. When he needed a king, he chose David. When he needed a weeper, he chose Jeremiah. Anybody relate with that? When he needed a preacher, Peter was alive. 
When he needed to reach the Gentiles, he called for Saul, who became Paul. When he needed the Gentiles to have an example and a vessel, he knew Cornelius would be there. So whether their story in Scripture is a few verses or an entire book, they were all required to fill God's purpose. And he raised up the right person at the right time. So let me interject right here in the middle of my sermon. Let me say this. You were born into the kingdom for such a time as this. I wish that you would stop doubting your personality and your giftings and your placement and who you are. And you would lay that on the altar this Sunday morning and say, God, I'm available for right now in this time. And you have placed me in 2023 for this time in the kingdom. If God wanted Paul here, he would have done it. And if God wanted Peter here, he would have put him pastor over this church. But God decided in his infinite wisdom to look down on this time period and say, I have the right people at the right time that I'm going to place in the right place to accomplish my purpose. And ladies and gentlemen, that's you and I this morning. So I wish on this Sunday morning you lift your hands up and you'd say, God, whatever that purpose is and for whatever reason you put me here, I want to do it. I want to accomplish it. Here am I. So he brought forth Elkanah and he brought forth Hannah and Penaniah, his two wives, that were with him. And the Bible says this about one of them, about one of the wives and one about the other. It says, Penina was able to have children, but the Lord had shut up the womb of Hannah. She was not able to have kids. But there was something in her, inside of her, that refused to just settle for the card she was dealt in life. The Bible says that Penina would provoke Hannah. Anybody have anybody that gets on your nerves? I don't know why you're looking around. You shouldn't do that. Don't. Especially husbands. You better look right at me right now. Don't you take your eyes off the bald preacher right now. Penina provoked Hannah because she didn't have any children, but there was something in Hannah that said, I really do not want to settle for this card that I've been dealt in life. The Bible says that Elkanah and Hannah would go to the temple and they would worship the Lord yearly. They'd bring their sacrifice and that they would worship before the Lord and they would give him alms. They did this before they ever got a promise from God. They worshiped. The Bible says as they went, they would worship. And one time, Hannah was so provoked by Penina, that she was very upset at the situation in life that she had. And her husband, Elkanah, in a lack of wisdom, looked at Hannah and said, I don't understand why you're so upset. Am I not better than ten sons? Let me give you husbands an advice. Shut it. That's all I'm going to say. I've got to learn that sometimes. If they're upset, probably the best route for me to go is close the mouth. Walk away. Intercede. So she is upset at the card 
She's been dealt. She cannot have kids. But I've learned something in this passage and story about Hannah. There's something I've learned about her that applies to us. I know, I believe, I feel there are people that are in this room right now that the card you've been dealt in life and the things that surround you or what you're having to put up with and deal with and where you're at, you're not satisfied with it. You're not content like Hannah, of not having that child. But there's something in you, something supernatural lies inside of you. There is more in you. There's something more inside of you right now that can come forth eventually if you'll just not give in, not lay down, not take a step back and just accept, well, this is how it's always going to be, but decide there's something supernatural for me. When Penina provoked her, she decided, I'm not going to let others make me settle. When life told her she couldn't have kids, she decided, I'm not going to just let life tell me how I'm going to be blessed or not. I'm not going to let that determine my outcome. And when her husband came and said, am I not better than 10 sons? She decided, well, even if I had options, this is what I want. So let me tell you some things that keep you back from the supernatural happening in your life, from that Samuel coming forth out of you. Let me tell you some things real quick. People can keep you back. And options can keep you back. And deciding that this is just life and settling, that can keep you back. But I believe on Sunday morning at New Life Church and 107 Commercial Street, there might be some people in here that as the preachers up here declare in the word of God, something in you says, I know there's more for me. I know there's more for me. I know something is out there that I can have something supernatural and I refuse to make pe let people make me settle. I refuse to let life make me settle. I refuse to let options make me settle. But I want more. Anybody in here want more? Anybody in here not content? with all the things that have happened to you, but something in you rises up and says, I want the supernatural to be at work in my life. I want the hand of God resting on me today. So she brings forth Samuel. Samuel comes. She dedicates him to the Lord. He's given over to the service of God, and she surrenders the supernatural thing back into the hands of God. Let me tell you something real quick. Anything that God gives you is not yours to begin with. But it is God that placed it in your hands to steward it. And if you'll give it back and trust him, he can do something far more reaching than you could do with it if you just kept it in your hands. But he could take that if you make yourself available to him. Whatever it is he's trusted you with. So the mom, Hannah, gives the child back into the hands of the Lord, and trust him into the ministry and the purpose. Now, there's a problem in this story if you read 1 Samuel chapter number 2, and it's that Eli had two sons. Eli's two sons were not good people. Eli, the head priest, Eli, the one that Hannah has trusted Samuel with, 
He has two boys that work in the temple, and those two boys do not do things according to God's word. They don't operate the right way with integrity. In fact, when somebody would bring their offering down into sacrifice, those two boys would forcibly take that sacrifice for them and pull away more for themselves and disregard the law of God and remove and tell somebody, if you bring a sacrifice down here and you don't give us enough, we will remove it from you. Let me just pause right here for a moment because I know there's ministry that's in the room. The Bible says inside of this story, that because of their actions, the people despised bringing offerings to the Lord. You see, it was the ministry that made the people not want to worship. Now, I'm taking a risk here because I'm a minister. But I don't want to be in a way, and I hope that every minister person here that feels the call of God and the tug of God... I don't want to act or live in a way that makes somebody else not want this. I don't want to carry myself in a way or perform things or act in a way that makes somebody else despise, walk away, and not worship God. I want to live with integrity and honor and value. And they did not. But in the midst of all of this, Samuel still has the hand of God. The Bible says he would wear an ephod as a priest. The Bible says that the Lord blessed him and he had favor among God and the people. The hand of God was on this supernatural child that was born. If you opened your Bible and you begin to read 1 Samuel chapter number 3, I'd like us to read it together, beginning at verse number 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision, meaning that the prophetic word of God was not being spoken very clearly or very regularly. And it came to pass, verse number two of chapter number three in 1 Samuel, came to pass when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see in the air of lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered and said, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou calledest me. And he said, I, I did not call you. I called, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and he lay down. And the Lord called yet again, and Samuel, he arose, went to Eli, and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered and said, I, I called you not, my son. Go lie down again. Now Samuel, watch verse number 7, Samuel did not know yet that the Lord was neither with the word of the Lord yet had been revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived, look, it's not me, but the Lord is calling you. So Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if, if you hear that call again, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. 
Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Spoke to him, called him, and he kept calling him. Now, what happens next in the story as you read through the Bible, what happens next is the Lord begins to tell Samuel there's a problem, and it's Eli and his two sons. I have warned them, and I'm telling you the judgment that's going to come for them. He gives Samuel a very strong word. In fact, the Bible says that he, that he essentially opens the eyes and revealed the, revealed the word of the Lord to Samuel, and his eyes have been opened to a child. Now he knows and is clear. He went in this passage from not knowing the voice of God to a clear, strong word of the judgment of God. In just a matter of one night, the calling of God revealed itself to him. But I want to talk for a moment about Samuel in the middle of this story. I want to point to a few things that Samuel does in his response. The first and foremost is that Samuel responds quickly and immediately. Let me say this. God has not stopped calling people. He has not stopped speaking. He has not stopped working. He has not stopped reaching. But right now, today, on March the 12th, God is calling people. And if you're a person in this room, I want you for a moment to un unstop the deaf ears and hear the voice of the Spirit because He is calling today. He's speaking right now. I may be the one with the microphone, but the undertone of what's happening in this room is the Spirit of God calling and the Spirit of God reaching and the Spirit of God saying your name. Listen. It may be where there's no open vision. It may be wild and wicked in society, but that doesn't stop the call of God. That doesn't, the light may be going out in the tabernacle, and the light may be going out in the temple, but that doesn't stop the voice of God speaking. He's still speaking right now. He's still speaking as I speak. He's still trying to draw into your heart and pull you closer to Him. He's speaking right now. And I'll tell you what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody that will respond. Every time, all through Scripture, God is always looking for response. That's really good. I've quoted Pastor a lot this way. I'm going to get in trouble for that bathed one. I just want everybody to know. I'm going to get reprimanded. But he... but. He says some things that are so powerful, and I've, I've heard him say this. I've heard him say different components of it. Listen, God's job is to call. Our job is to respond. So no matter where you're at this morning, you only have one job, and that is to respond. When you start to feel something, there's nothing wrong with lifting up your hands to him. Whenever you start to hear something, speak into your life and say there's more for you. There's greater out there. You need to just listen up and tune your ears. Take your heart from a heart of stone in a moment and say, I hear the voice of the Spirit. And I will respond to the voice of the Spirit. 
I'm here to listen and hear. Now, another thing that happens in this story, as I read, Samuel gets up every single time and runs to Eli. Because he may not fully understand the voice of God that's speaking to him, but all that he knows is that that voice sounds a lot like the ministry. And to him, that voice that, that is actually God, to him it sounds a lot like Eli's voice. So that's why time after time, moment after moment, he got himself up and responded to that call and that voice because he, he thought it was the ministry. He thought it was the man of God. He thought that voice was, was the man of God. It was actually God calling, but to him, the man of God and God sounded a whole lot alike. So this morning, let me tell you, let me pause, interject this in the middle of my sermon. The voice of God often sounds a lot like your pastor. And when he stands in this pulpit, and whether he gives you an encouraging word or whether he gives you a convicting word, a lot of times that voice is one and the same. And he's trying to reach, declare the word of God and be a part of what, how God is calling and working. It's up to us to respond to that. And he does. His, he responds every time. Same response. Here am I. You know what I found amazing about this? Very first time God calls in this story, he says, here am I. And the next time... The second time, he says the same words when he hears his name called. He says, here am I. The third time, he gets up and goes in again because the Bible says when he hears the call, he says, here am I. In the middle of that, it says he doesn't know. It's not been revealed to him the word of the Lord. Well, as the story goes on, and that last time, he realizes it's the Lord. Eli helps him discern that. That it's the word of the Lord. And he says, here am I, your servant heareth. And the, word, the Lord gives him a word about what's coming to the house of Eli. I mentioned a second ago, his eyes are now opened to what used to... I would imagine that that young boy probably had a lot of innocence to him. And then when the Lord spoke to him and opened his eyes about what was really happening and the judgment to come... I'm sure he had a couple of feeling ways about that. And yet, the Bible says this. As he continues on in the story, the Bible says when Eli calls him the next morning, he says, here am I. He was afraid to give that word to Eli, but yet, at every season of his understanding, he says the same thing. Here am I. I'm preaching to people right now. You're new to all this. All the people, there's, there's people in this room that the whole thought of lifting your hands or jumping up and down or worship, that whole thought scares you. That's a little bit intimidating. I'm also preaching to people that have been in this for a few years now, and you're just now starting to get out like this. This is, I used to not be a hand raiser. Now I'm a hand clapper and a hand raiser. And there's people in this room right now that you've been serving the Lord a long time. 
And you've seen good things and you've seen bad things. You've seen the righteous have, have good moments and you've seen the righteous have bad seasons. I'm preaching right now to people at all ages and spectrums. So let a little boy in scripture teach all of us the truth about God's word. There is never a season where you and I don't say, here I am. There is never a point of revelation or understanding that we don't make ourselves available to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So you hear me this morning as I preach to you. Someone in this house needs to get up and say, here I am, God. Here I am. I'm available for your purpose. I'm available for this season. I'm available for whatever you've got for me. Brody. I am so glad each and every Sunday. I don't know how your week goes. You may have good weeks. You may have bad weeks. And we've talked about that. But you keep showing up. And thank you in this season of life that you're in for saying, here I am. Here I am. I don't got all the answers. I certainly don't have all the things figured out. But I'm still here. Sister Harden, let me, let me compliment you for a second, and many people do. I know you lost your husband, and I know things have not been easy, and you serve the Lord much longer than I've been alive. But each Wednesday and each Sunday, you keep showing up to the house of the Lord, lifting up your hands and saying, here am I. Here am I. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you will never get to a season of God, never season in your life serving the Lord, that you don't make yourself willing and available to Him. You'll never get too much revelation to be available to Him. You'll never get too much understanding to be unavailable to Him. But let every person in this room lift their hands up to the king of all kings and the creator of the universe and say, here am I. If you want to call me to preach at 50 years old, I'll do it. If you want to send me overseas, I'll do it. Because I'm available for you, God. Here am I. It's not the only place in scripture this phrase happens. Happens in Exodus chapter number three, verse number one through verse number five. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him as a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked and beheld the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now, it wasn't uncommon in the desert for a bush to catch on fire. What was uncommon was that that bush was not consumed by that fire. So the Bible says, and Moses said this, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. He said, I'm here. But you know what it took? Before that, we read it. The availability that was required required his attention. Listen, God calls people who give him their attention. 
I, uh, I looked up this thing. It's called the human attention span. You ready for a blasting? This ain't pretty. The average human being, according to a study that was done by a group of therapists, you can choose to believe them or not, the average human attention span right now, it was, taken in, it was done in December of 2022, the average human attention span is 8.25 seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Squirrel. That's four seconds less than what it was 20 years ago. In fact, science, they, they discovered this, that the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. I'm just going to let that sink in because it's... The average person picks up their phone more than 1,500 times a week. That is once every five minutes. Once, that's 200 times a day, if you want to do the math. The average amount of time someone watches an internet video is two and a half minutes. The average, listen, this one's good for me, okay? This is really good for me right now in this setting, in this context, to deliver this part. The average audience attention span is eight to 10 minutes. The law of averages says, you ain't here. We're way past that 8 to 10 minute mark. We've tripled it. But let me tell you something about this story in the pages of Scripture. It was when Moses decided that as he's going along his journey, something uncommon caught him. Something uncommon came across his path. And he decided in that moment, I'm not just going to keep walking. I'm not going to go to the next thing. I'm not going to just move on to something else and click on the next thing or move to the next part. No, he decided there's something here. And I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to see what maybe God is doing. And when he did and he put his attention on that bush, then God opened his mouth and called Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Let me tell you something in 2023, what God is looking for. He's looking for your attention. He's trying to get us, New Life Church, and this guy included. He's trying to get us to stop being distracted and pulled away and removed out and, and disconnected. He's trying to get us and get his attention on him. I'll tell you something that, I, that had convicted me a couple, couple of days ago, weeks ago. I realized, and this is just me being honest, and you can, you can judge me, and I, I take it because the Lord convicted me. He convicted me about how many times I checked my phone not only in a day, but when I set aside my time to pray. That I could not get into a flow of his spirit praying because I would pull myself out of that flow to go check on something that was completely irrelevant. 
and didn't matter because I was trying to get access into the King of Kings and I'd pull myself out. Listen, New Life Church, God wants our attention. In a world of distractions, in a world that we're pulled so many different directions, God is asking someone to turn aside and see what he's doing. Don't rush by this moment at New Life Church. Don't rush to the next thing or the next news cycle or the next hot item that comes. But give your attention to God. He's trying to call. New convert, he's trying to call right now. Elder, he's trying to call right now. If he wants me to go, if he wants me to do, if he wants me to act, I've got to be responsive to the call because my attention is on him. He wants us available because we give him our attention. Isaiah 6 is another time this phrase is used in the year the king Uzziah died. Isaiah 6 and 1, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and it stood seraphims, and one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and twain he covered his feet, and twain he did fly. And he cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The one of the seraphims flew, having a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, I will. I was praying about this service. I was praying about this moment. New Life has been a sending church. And I personally am thankful for that. I'm thankful that God has orchestrated it, that we live with people having an open hand. That if God calls and speaks and says, go here, do this, be a part of this, there's not a controlling type of attitude, but there is a, if God is speaking it, if God is calling, then go. And God's, God's call, his, his, my availability, it requires me to take an action, me to take a step. I was, last summer, I had the privilege of of going to Europe on a missions trip. And I was in a a part of Europe, and I was with a missionary who was not part of that work in Europe. But he was from a thing that we call, we call it Access Challenge Nations. They're nations that have been closed off to the gospel. And it's not easy to access and get into there and share truth. And there's a lot of restrictions and there could be a lot of harm that comes if they ever get caught. And I was walking down the streets of this ancient city with one of those missionaries that serves in an access challenge nation. You'd know the country if I said it. He walked, we were walking alongside each other. And and, and listen, 
I live in America. I've had a very small point of view on the world most of my life. So I took that opportunity to ask some questions. So I just asked him what it's like. What's it like there? What are your, what are your experiences day in, day out? They don't have church like we do. They can't gather in a sanctuary like this and, and lift up their hands. They have, to do, they have to do Bible studies, and they gather in homes, and, and they try to teach the Word of God in a different capacity, in a different way. But they're still the church. And they're still reaching people. It just works a little bit different than my context. So I ask him, you know, what, what's it like? Tell me about it. This man, he's my age. He's my age. He has a wife and two small kids. And this is what he said to me as we're standing walking on that road. So what he told us as we were there that day. He said, I know they're going to kick me out of this country. I know they're going to remove me. They're going to send me back. If they don't kill me for it or imprison me, they're going to send me and my family back. There's no doubt about it. I've resolved that issue a long time ago when God called me. I know they're going to kick me out of here. But until they do, I was sent here with a message and a mission. And I'll reach as many people as I can. And I stopped on that street. He kept walking. I stopped on that street. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe I don't cry often, but man, it, that one got me. And I stopped and I thought, I hope. I'm that available to God. I hope, not only, not only do I hope I'm that available, but ladies and gentlemen, I hope I'm that sendable too. I hope I'm much more. Isaiah said, Isaiah said this, that those that are willing and obedient, Isaiah chapter number one, I hope that I'm willing and I hope that I'm obedient. I hope that I'm available and I hope that I'm sendable. That I don't insert my plans above his plans. And I make myself available to him wherever, whenever, however he calls. His calling is his, but my availability is on me. So I want to be able to be sent. I want to be available for him. That's not the last thing that I read in scripture that I want to share with you this morning. And it's actually, this is the part I felt like, this is the part I felt like was a word for today. There was a certain disciple, Acts chapter number nine, beginning at verse number 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus. His name was Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said this, Behold, I'm here, Lord. The Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen a vision and a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered and said this, Like any of us would, Lord, I've heard by many of this man, and how much evil he's done to the saints that are in Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. I've heard about that guy, and you're sending me to him? 
That's not how I would have picked for this to play out, speaking as Ananias. But the Lord said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then the next few words are some of the most powerful. And Ananias went his way. He was called, and he said, I'm here, I'm available. And then the assignment that's given to him is probably not an assignment he would have picked. It's not a plan that he probably had in place. In fact, it's probably not a plan any of us would have decided that the Gentiles need it to happen in this way. But I am so glad on a Sunday morning right now that Ananias didn't say no to that call. Because as a Gentile, I stand right here right now because Ananias said this, here am I. I'm available for you. And generations later, thousands of years later, we stand in this sanctuary because a man made himself available. And it may have not been his will and it may have not been his idea, but it didn't matter to him. He laid it on the altar and said, okay, I'm here. I'm available for that purpose and plan. I don't know. I don't know what God is going to do next. I don't know. Lane, go ahead and put that slide up on the screen. I don't know what God's going to do next, but I know what he's doing right now. This is since January the 1st at this church Right here at 107 Commercial Street, the people that are in this church. We have had, since January 1st, 33 people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. We've had 10 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've given over $24,000 to missions. And over 38 people have heard the gospel for the first time in their life because of the people in this church. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, I do not know where we go from here. But I know he's doing something right now. So I lift my hands up on a Sunday morning and I say, I am here, God, and available for you to work through. It may not be my plan and it may not be how I think it'll come to pass, but I'm available for this revival, God. Would you stand with me and lift your hands as you do? Here am I. You feel it? You feel that call coming? You feel that call speaking? Come on. The greatest days of new life, the greatest outpouring hasn't happened yet. We've not stepped into that. But right now, we're walking into it, and he's just looking for a few people that will say, here am I. If you're looking for somebody to teach that Bible study, I've got my hands up. If you're looking for somebody that you want to flow your spirit through, here am I. Come on, these altars are open for anybody that's available. Come on, I feel the call and the moving of God's spirit. Here I am, God. Here I'm at. Here I am. Come on, I'm not settling. I'm not settling for less, but I'm making myself available. Come on, I may not understand everything. Or I may have been through some difficult seasons, but I still stand here and say, here am I, God.
Here am I. Come on, lift your voice across the sanctuary this morning. Who knows what God wants to do? Who knows where God wants to send? Yeah, come on, that's it. Lift your voice.